On this episode of the Driving Improvement Podcast, it's a PGA Show edition. Coming to you from Orlando, Florida, and the PGA Show, we welcome Larry Ward, Tim Conaway, and our old friend Chris George. In a roundtable discussion, we discuss the PGA Teaching and Coaching Summit, why they come to the PGA Show, and what it does to recharge their batteries for the year. We also discuss their feelings on the industry and the best learning environments for you to get better. We also discuss what's a good club fitting experience and the biggest misconceptions in golf. All that and more on the Driving Improvement Podcast with Mark Russo from the PGA Show right now. All right, everyone, welcome into the Driving Improvement Podcast, and we've got a... um, well, it's it's kind of a bourbon filled. Chris, do you have one? Okay, it's a bourbon filled, uh, 2023 PGA version of the podcast. And around the table here, we've got um, we got a few guests here. One of whom is like basically freeloading on the podcast at this point. <laughs> he, well, he, he may as well be co-host. I feel like yeah, I need to give him like a, a minority ownership. Uh, all right, so Chris George from Kingsmill Resort, who many of you have already heard probably too much at this point, and Tim Conaway from Conaway Golf Academy in Braden, Florida, and Larry Ward from High Performance, High Performance Golf Academy in Nicholasville, Nicholasville, and K. Uh, Kentucky Larry let me get to it first okay Larry was upset with how I spelled it on my paper here so I and I told him that I just had to say it out loud so uh fellas uh welcome in the podcast this is gonna be fun it's great first off for for everybody listening to this is our this has been is it three years since all of us have been together you guys did you guys come last year yeah yeah, yeah, we've done it right, but we we uh, so yeah, last year was 2020, right before COVID started. So this is great to get the whole crew back together. Um, the PJ show seems to be um, for for those who don't know, the PJ show is our big um, trade show, so to speak, here in Orlando. Uh, this is our our big deal, and it's a great networking and education and and fun time, obviously, for all of us. So, um, first off. Larry, you and, and Tim did the PGA Teaching and Coaching Summit, which we do every other year. Uh, it's our national teaching and coaching summit. Uh, maybe just a little bit about, because uh, Chris and I haven't attended, but you know what, what you guys, maybe a few of the nuggets that you guys learned, a few of the things that came up over the course of the last couple of days, and what you guys thought of how the summit went. You know, it was a good summit. We, we had two days of good learning. We, you know, it was... Um the great thing about the summit is, is there's probably 450, 500 people there this year. And so all of the, the, the um, neat interaction you have one-on-one with the instructors is really, really good. Um, and uh, just getting, just being back together again w- was the best part. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, there's, there's always, you know, nuggets of knowledge that we gain when we attend these these summits, whether it's the teaching and coaching summit or, or somebody else's educational seminars. But, you know, the advantage is what Larry alluded to is is what happens in the in the hallways in between breakouts and and networking and, and, and reconnecting because this is, as you alluded to, this is the first year we've been together in three years. And for a lot of us, it's the first time we've seen 
a lot of our colleagues throughout the country in three plus years. So it was really, really great to reconnect with all these people and, and uh, reestablish those relationships. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, um, we talk about this all the time, right? Like and Chris, you, you know this. So we, we've been talking about this. Chris and I have kind of hung out today and I mean, some of the conversations we've had has been really, really good. Like the networking stuff and just the, the, ta- the downtime to let your mind sort of like say, Hey, this is what we're going to work on this year. Like, what do you think of this? Like bouncing stuff off each other. What do you think about that, Chris? I think it's always good to have a plan. I think it's good to always have the players improvement and their best interest in mind for them shooting lower scores and how we can help them achieve that through multiple ways of whether it's increasing consistency or ball striking or a better game management plan throughout the year for practice. Yeah, and I think so that leads me to, and I think maybe you guys have answered it a little bit already, but I mean, and Tim, we'll just, I'll, I'll throw it over to you. We'll just kind of keep it, skip it around here a little bit. But I mean, when the PGA show comes up on your calendar, why do you come? Well, it's 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 multi, multiple reasons why I come. Um, you know, what we're doing tonight is one of the reasons. You know, it's it's uh, you know we we all get together in the house, and we this is kind of like a think tank for me, uh, an annual think tank. Um, I get to meet with with you all from different parts of the country. We can you know hash out ideas and come up with new ones and creative ones and. You know, we can we can question each other. We can we can make each other defend ourselves and, and validate our perspectives, and that just makes us better. Iron sharpens iron. Um, you know, other reasons I come is I want to obviously maintain relationships with with vendors and and establish new ones and and see what is um, is on the market now is that can make myself a better coach for my for my students as far as any any tech or any training aids or you know any platforms that I'm I wouldn't be aware of otherwise so you know those are the reasons why I would come or why I do come I should say Larry uh, I mean I'd like to hear your answer because you've come to what the teaching we were talking about this earlier the teaching and coaching summit which is again every other year has happened since 1988 am I right on that 88 was the first one and you've come to this is like your 10th one this year but so I know you come down for for that and you've got a good streak going with that but anything to add in terms of you know why you come down for the show because you know I mean it's you've been doing this a long time you know I just I feel like if you're if you're a if you're a golf guy if you're passionate about what you do this is our Super Bowl you got to be here and 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 you can't afford not to be here because there's something that's going to happen this week that can change your your trajectory and uh, you just don't know what it is you can't plan for it yeah that's good so chris what about you i mean you and i've talked about this a bunch and we've done this a bunch together here down here but you know why do you why do you value coming down here well certainly obviously coming in and staying at the house and hanging out with everyone. The Dodge Charger this week was a big bonus. <laughs> not, not to mention the Batcave, which if you go on my Instagram and Chris's Instagram, you'll see, which is the most ridiculous and amazing thing ever. And we're, we want to stay here for the next, well, whenever. Yeah, but like Tim was said, iron sharpens iron. And I think challenging your thoughts and your perspectives on why you do what you do and how you can get better and how you can make your players better and 
getting new and innovative ideas and even rehashing some old ones of why you're not doing that anymore to make you better helps you make your players better. And that's why we're here is to make better players, to shoot lower scores so that everyone has enjoyment for the game for a lifelong. No, that's, that's great. Um, one of the things that, that um, I feel like always comes out of this week, and that's why I'm, I mean, besides just the, the, the downtime and hanging out, like you said, and, and the things in between is coming out of this week, I always feel like I get a little bit recharged, right? Like I get, you know, I get some ideas and some new things that I want to try, things I want to do. Um, you know, when we leave this week, I mean, Larry, do you feel like when you leave here, like you feel like you kind of like, you know, a couple of days off, a few days off, and then you head home and you feel like, all right, I'm ready to get after it? Without question, what you do is is your one is if it's the year of the coaching teaching summit is is you are um, stimulating your thoughts, your beliefs, you're, you're getting uh, perspective. But when you walk around the show floor, what you're doing there is is you're getting all your creative juices going. You're you're getting a good feel for the business, you're, and you're seeing things, and you're ripping people off. <laughs> That, that, that's what you're doing yeah. is, is you're seeing yeah. all this great stuff and that's what we do is we 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 rip people off you know that's what, you know so so it's it's really a great uh, great week um i do feel like when i leave here every year and i have been doing this a long time my first pga show was 19 and uh, 97 and uh, i've missed one that they've had since then show wise um, and I really feel like that it, it's kind of my it's uh, it, it kind of like sets my course for the year. Yeah, that, that's good. I mean, I, I, so we talked earlier about you know the fact that the, the the group of us have been together and we've got more folks coming in and we've got we've got some um, uh, what do we call them conscientious observers? Is that what they call them? They're hanging out in the corner over here. Jake studio, and Gary, studio audience. <laughs> studio audience. Yeah, we do have a studio audience tonight. Uh, it's a sold-out crowd of two, um, so it should be. Uh, it's a real barn burner. Um, but we've got more folks coming into the house too uh, to join us. Uh, you know, in the bad cave. Uh, but you know, one of the other things too is we've come out of COVID. A lot has come out of that situation, but. What we have come into with our industry is we've made out from, a, a, frankly, a shitty situation. Um, COVID has helped our industry Im immensely because people could get outside. So, Chris, I'll start with you. I mean, you're feeling on, and I've talked to other people in the industry about this too, but like we've been in this upward trajectory the last couple of years, but do you feel like things are going to plateau? What's your just? I, I want your just general sense on on golf and the industry in general. Um, where you think it's going to head? Do you think it's going to keep going up? Do you think we're going to maybe level off a little bit? What just kind of what you think? You know, given that we're we're all in in the game. So I think this all revolves around the actual individual player's desire, their desire to get better, their desire to allocate time to improve their game, to play more golf, to play more rounds of golf, um, and just carving out what time is important for them between family, between work, and between improvement of their golf, if that's what's important for them, or whether it's fitness or health, whatever it may be. 
So if you set a goal that you want to improve, um, certainly take the time to allocate the appropriate amount of practice in the right amount of area for your improvement, whether that's short game, whether that's full swing, um, or whether that's just making time to play golf with your kids and your family um, on the weekends. So make time to play more golf um, and enjoy every moment of it. Tim, what do you think about uh, where, where we are with golf and the whole industry as a, as a whole right now? Well, you know, as Chris alluded to, we have a massive influx of, of new golfers um, since COVID. And, and my take on it is it's, uh, you know, can we get them to stay? Because the bottom line is they're going to be new to golf. They're going to find out how hard it is. Um, and then are they going to want, as Chris alluded to, you know, put in the time, the resources, the effort to want to get better, or are they just looking to, you know, have some fun with it? And so, you know, it's, it's, it's up to the individual and largely, uh, and our help to, you know, aid them to, if they want to get better, but we've got to make sure they understand what it takes to really do that. And a lot of players are coming to me and say, you know, I want to get better, but I think I can do it in a month. And I'm like, well, you know, it's going to take a little longer than that. And if you're really serious about this, I'm all in, but I want you to know what you're trying to undertake and it's going to take some work. And sometimes they don't like that answer. What do you guys think? Um, what do you guys think we have to do though, to keep people into the game more? Because we're dealing with a, um, and we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but we're dealing with, um, for lack of a better description, you know, a, a, a very um, ADHD, ADD world. It's there's an, plus the fact that everybody has a ton going on, and the time commitment for golf becomes very difficult for a lot of people to process, and so they start to it just starts to outweigh itself, and they end up quitting. So, Larry, I'll ask it to you first, um, as our as our senior member that we call the godfather well, I mean, how do we keep people involved in the game and, and maintain the momentum at this point as you know as tim was talking about and not lose them well you know i don't think we can run from what golf is golf is is um it's a sport that requires a little bit of time um, it's it it can be difficult to play but it shouldn't be overly difficult to play if we educate our players where to play from, how to play. Um, and uh, the advice that I would give is um, the biggest mistake that someone can make is uh, trying to um, do it all at one time with golf. You know, get in, you know, get the introduction to the game, take, uh, get a road map on how to proceed through it, but the first thing after that should be is try to get plugged in to a club of some kind. And the reason being is, is that community is so important. And, and I know this is gonna sound really bad, but uh, most people are not gonna play three and four whole rounds at a public place. But if you go join somewhere that fits your lifestyle, fits your, your economic uh, you know, situation, what you're going to do is you're going to pay a fee and you're going to use it. But if you have to go pay a fee to, to use something, you're not going to. You know, it's, it's like if you go ahead and prepay for something, it's like a gym. 
uh, you're going to go to the club, you're going to play some three and four hole rounds, you're going to get involved, your family's going to get involved, you're going to take it um, full, full on of the amenities of the club. But the model we have right now where we're at is we're fat and happy and we have a lot of really high dollar green fee rounds <coughs> to play golf. Who's going to go pay $50 to play four holes? Mm. Not going to happen. So the advice I would give anybody that wants to get into the game is find a club that fits you. Join that place, get involved. It's a great community, especially if you got a family. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Tim, we got to follow up. Yeah, one thing I wanted to add was, uh, you know, we talk about how golf does take time um, to play 18 holes and, and uh, everybody, you know, our attention span with, with the modern technology and everything that stimulus that comes at us is, is shortened dramatically. I think we need to do a better job on educating everybody about the benefits of how much time it does take to play golf and how you are disconnected from the world when you are. And that would be a benefit, not a negative. And if we were to, to take what people perceive the barriers to golf as a negative and turn it into a positive and educate people on, on, on the fact that, yeah, you're going to put your phone away for a couple hours. You're going to be outdoors for a couple hours and then they'll maybe be more enticed to stick it out when the, when the going gets tough and they're having trouble playing the game. Yeah. I like that. Um, I like that viewpoint. Tim. I haven't thought of it that way. I mean, I think we, you know, for those of us with kids too, we're trying to get them to unplug, right? Like I 11 and six year old and, we're trying to get them to unplug. So that's an interesting, you know, viewpoint on it to, to say, Hey, look, this is a sort of a respite from, you know, the, the devices and the constant pull and push and pull of work or family or whatever. Chris, what's your take on, on that? So I would say that there's two camps to that. I think they're absolutely a great point of what Tim was saying, but the two camps would be, let's say you're, you've never played and you want to start playing. Don't waste time working on a lot of things on the driving range. I would say go with some friends that have played the game and play on the golf course and start with a distance relative to your skill level away from the green. So that might be 20 yards, 50 yards, 30 yards, whatever it might be based on your strength and your skill level to be able to move the ball to the green from that distance and watch and learn and play with others as they play. And then, two, if you're a more accomplished player, then the goal would be to play a distance golf course relative to your skill level. So just as a concept and a rule of thumb to start with, if you take the distance you carry in the air or hit a five iron, whatever that might be, you take that distance, let's say it's 150 yards or 180 yards, let's say 180 yards, and you multiply it by 36 and let's say that comes up with 6320, so a 6,000-yard golf course, that would be a relative distance th that you should start playing from. 6480. 6480, that the guru of here, of uh, Nicholasville, Kentucky says, 6480. The Godfather. Uh, so that's a good start. So take that carry distance or total distance of your iron, your five iron, and then multiply it by 36, and that'll give you a good starting distance. But that's a relative distance that will make the game enjoyable if you have an established game. Otherwise, 
Well, and Chris just drops the mic. He says otherwise and drops the mic. So we're and we're all waiting for the rest of that. Okay. So and by the way, Chris, how many times on the podcast has it been for you? N- not enough. And he just continues to conf- confirm and assure us all that he's my favorite and biggest golf nerd. Okay, because he brought multiplication into the podcast, and I would never do that. All right. So anyway. So, all right, let's talk about learning because we, we talk about, um, in the podcast a lot, I've talked about, you know, sort of failure and learning and all that good stuff. So we, at the table, we've got, a, you know, I do a lot of individual lessons. Tim, you do some group stuff. Uh, Larry does all different stuff, individual high performance players. Chris does high performance players, golf schools. So... There's the question, and we'll start, Tim, we'll start with you, because you're to my left, and you're closest to me. What, what is the best environment for learning in some of those, some of those options? So let's see what you got. Well, I hate to play both sides of the fence, but I, it depends on the person that you're talking to. Um, I find that there are some players that, you know, when I've run my supervised training programs, my structured supervised training programs, they really, really grow fast. They understand, they learn, they understand. There's a, there's a, there's an element of uh, um, communal suffering as well as um, fostering competition amongst each other that offers f- uh, further motivation within themselves to to grow and improve. And I see, uh, I see players develop faster that way. Um, I also see players that um, they want the hands-on, uh, take you down the wormhole approach that you can only do with private coaching. Um, and so, you know, you, you have to read the student in front of you um, and read the and teach the person, not the not the golf swing. Um, I think we all do that here at this table very well. Um, so there is no right, there is no singular answer to that question, unfortunately. Um, uh, but that's 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 basically the way I see it. It depends on who I've, who's in front of me. So here's the advice I would give is if you want to get in the game, um, make it fast and furious. Don't put it off. You need to um, go ahead and jump in. Don't um, don't go in the in the uh, in the kiddie pool. Dive in deep end. So that means go find a qualified coach and see them often and i would suggest if you're just starting here's what i would suggest is total immersion you need to see them every day okay and see them every day for an amount of time so commit to a month a month and a half two weeks three weeks but go very very often here's why so the the way that 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 we're built as as learners is if you think about everything else you've done in your life, from Little League baseball to, to basketball, whatever, once you started the season, practice was every day. Why, why, would you, why would you go and do a sport and you go get a golf lesson and then you, you, don't, you don't see that coach again for another month? Who, who would do that? I mean, this is the, this is the only <laughs> – Golfers would. <laughs> this, 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 is, this is the only sport in the world where you do all your practice without your coach. So, so if you, if you want to get in and get decent fast, get in there and get good. 
Don't mess around. This is why we call Larry the Godfather because you know he just drops the knowledge and and just he basically lays it down about as subtly as a sledgehammer. Okay, so uh, yeah, uh, Chris, best environment for learning. I got to hand the mic over to the my. No, I won't say it again. Go ahead, just do it. Certainly, one that challenges you, and that challenge point is one that you're not successful all the time. It's one where you um, are failing a high percentage of the time, but yet you understand what you're working on in a certain area of your game. So um, rather than, for an example, hitting six-foot putts on the same line over and over and over again, I think it's very important for you to place a, a ball randomly, let's say three balls, between one and three feet, between three and six feet, um, and then one between six and nine feet around the hole in a random direction on a random break and try and hit all three putts and try and make two out of three. And if you can convert 66 or two out of three, 66%, then you have a high percentage of make. And that's going to make you a better putter than hitting the same putt over and over and over again. What do you guys think... Um before we get into a couple of the things, we, we you know before we started this up, we had some good discussion about a couple of things I want to bring up. But um, you brought up a couple of questions there that uh, if you get a new student in front of you, and I think this is good information for people who maybe are taking a lesson for the first time. Um, what are some of the main questions that you would ask somebody? Uh, I'll, I'll just start it off by saying some of the questions I'll ask people are. What other sports have you played? Because I feel like that's massively important for their, if nothing else, for their intention, right? Um, and their perception of movement. But um, what injuries have you had? Have you taken lessons before? Uh, what are some of the some of the questions that, that you've asked? Tim, why don't you? Yeah, I, I mean, those are all great questions. Obviously, I ask them all. Um, athletic backgrounds. Um, educational background, you know, what they've done in their career, what, they, what they're doing in their career. I'm in Florida, so half my people I work with are retired, so I ask them what they did. Uh, I also am in Southwest Florida, so I'm saying, do you still have all original body parts? Because that's a valid question. Uh, a lot of knee replacements, a lot of hip replacements, and I need to know. Um, that, that alludes to injuries. Um, one of the things I ask them quite a bit is, what do you like to do to relax? Because, you know, some of them will say, well, I like to read a book. And I'm like, oh, what kind of book do you like to read? Do you like to read a novel? Or you like to read nonfiction? Well, if they say nonfiction, then I'm kind of thinking they're more of an analytical person, which is going to help me under help me tailor my communication to them specifically in a different way than somebody who likes to paint, for example, who would be much more of an artistic person. So um, I want to get to know them. I also want to find anything I can use in their experience that I can relate to the golf swing whether it's mental or physical. So I really dive deep into getting, you know, I spend 15 minutes at least talking to them for the first time. I, I mean, I book 90 minute um, new student assessments and I'm talking, the, we're, we're just having a conversation for the first 20. So um, my, my last question is, is the, that I ask everyone's why are you here? And from there, that's, we work. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. 
So, so, I, so I got to reach over the table and grab the mic from Larry. I sat down. I had a sip of my drink. <laughs> Chris is over here choking on his, uh, his protein bar that I gave him. And Larry answered it in one sentence. Larry, you're the best, man. You're the best. Chris, I was going to hand the mic to you. But apparently, <laughs> you, you, we, I don't want to have to give you the Heimlich. Okay, so uh, for me, yeah, so my, I'll, I'll give you a second, Chris, but my favorite questions again, uh, like, uh, are, uh, I think one of the ones that we ask that, I, I, and I think this is across the board, and you guys may disagree with me, but I think you'll agree with me, is when you ask somebody if they've had um, an injury or a physical limitation, just so you kind of have an idea what's going on, and they tell you, no, I'm good. And then as the questions go on or the lesson goes on, they tell you, oh, yeah, that's because I had a knee replacement or, right, you know, like we get that stuff all the time. So I think the moral of the story there is be upfront about anything and everything. And if you think it's too small, say it anyway, because we know a little more about this than you do. That's okay. But we, we need to know as much information. Um Because a while back, I remember hearing, I don't remember what teacher said it, but we're always dealing with incomplete information, right? And so over time, you start to, and it might take half an hour of a lesson, but you might come across some stuff. Um, Chris, have you, you, do you get that protein bar down? You okay? You okay, buddy? I'm awesome. So I, I would start with, you know, watching a player hit balls, and we have discussions about, what's going on in their game. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is as I watch players hit balls and as we talk about outcomes and what their dispersions are, um, and I watch them hit balls and I say, well, you know, that, what do you think the ball should be doing? How far offline, you know, is that too much offline? And they certainly say yes. And the reality is that most players um, have a accurate dispersion for their skill level. Um, some of them have some mishits that certainly are outside of that dispersion, but for the most part, their dispersion is much bigger with wedges than they are with a nine iron or an eight iron. So, um, you know, for your scoring component of how you can shoot a lower score is spend more time on your wedges, spend more time on your scoring shots, um, especially inside of 30 to 45 yards, trying to hit them inside of 12 to 15 feet, and that will dramatically change your ability to get the ball in the hole in less shots. Because if you want to break 100, or if you want to break 90, or if you want to break 80, there's certainly criteria for shots to the green that you need to play within. Um, For example, if you're going to break 90, you want to have 55 shots or less to the green from tee to green. I like how I asked you about what questions you ask in a lesson and you start to get into the math and, and, and the performance. How many, you know what? I'm going to give a prize to anybody who listens to the podcast. If you go back and listen to all my podcasts that Chris has been on, how many times has he said performance? You get a prize if you can get it right. Now I have to go back and count myself, but that's why I love him. Cause, and that's why he's good. All right. So, we had a little discussion earlier, and I wrote a note down because this this came out before we even hit record on this whole deal. We talked about club fitting, um, and I think club fitting is a broad uh, description. There's a lot of different club fitting experiences out there. Um, 
I won't go into um, some of the larger big box places that I've um, had interactions with on Twitter before I got off Twitter. Uh, but I stand by what I said three years ago. Oh, Larry, <laughs> Larry, Larry just reached his hand out across the table. So, Larry, here you go. Okay, here's the deal. Okay, there, there's three huge things you need to know about club fitting. Number one is is the, the club itself, the head, is way more important than the shaft. The companies have spent tons of money, tons of research to get you a, a, a shaft that performs with that club head. If you're a non-tour level player, go to your local PGA professional. Go to someone that you trust. Get the fit. Don't go somewhere that has to sell, upsell you a shaft to be able to stay in business. Um, let's, let's buy a set of clubs that you're fit for that has the proper length, the proper line, or the proper flex, proper club head. Hugely important to have the, the proper club head designed for your game. But trust me, don't go blow a bunch of money for no reason um, to make sure that the fitter uh, can stay in business. Yeah, I mean, club fitting is is a huge puzzle, um, and uh, you know you need to see a professional um, to be able to get that puzzle put out or, or put together, so you've got the right performing equipment. You know, one of the things when it comes to to to, to kids um, with uh, with club fitting and juniors, a uh, thought I had today during the um, junior golf uh, discussion panel, uh, and they talked about club fitting was, you know, how, you know, we've all touted drive, chip, and putt as a great vehicle for juniors to get involved with. But in, again, playing a devil's advocate, uh, the drive portion of drive, chip, and putt is all about power and distance. And, um, you know, so you're going to get kids who, are swinging clubs that are way too long for them to accomplish that short-term goal of qualifying for and advancing on to drive chip and putt finals and getting the glory. But then long-term they, when they get to 17, 18 years old, they've got, you know, mismatching tempos and mechanics. And, and next thing you know, they're, they're one of the shortest players uh, amongst their peer group. So we have to be very careful when it comes to juniors, um, to fit for the future as well as the present. And that's something that I think uh, can be quite overlooked uh, if we're not careful. No, that's really good, Tim. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like juniors, and I'll just add on before I hand this over to Chris here to get his thoughts on it too, is I think a lot of our female clients too uh, are misfit to some degree. Um, some of it is, you know, a little bit on the predatory side, um, to be perfectly honest at, at some facilities because they're taking advantage. Uh, but it's massively important. I've had a, I had a, uh, a student recently who was fitted, a in air quotes, you know, top level fitting, uh, franchise. We'll leave it at that. I don't need to start the fire again, but, and she had men's standard length irons and she's five foot four wow. and a brand new player. So, 
anybody out there who's listening to this who's done fitting before or a golf professional and everybody at this table, you know, knows that that's just not right. And I think it's, um, you know, we talk about good fittings and correct fittings and, and proper fittings. And we also talk about fittings that are right morally also. Because you've got people who are working hard. They're working their ass off. They're trying to play the game. And this is an expensive game. All of us at this table know that. And they're spending their money and they expect to get help that they can rely on and trust. And trust is a very big word. And there's a lot of uh, folks out there who are taking advantage. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and if you didn't hear that across the table, Larry said it like it's, it's a cancer to our game, taking advantage of newer golfers and people who need help, who are relying on us, um, and want our help. And we put them in a position where they just trust us and you can either do the right thing or the wrong thing. So I'll leave it at that. Chris, you want to take it? So I'll take the dynamic of putter fitting while we're on this because that's a huge piece of the game and I'll go back to the shots to green. But let's say you want to break 70 or shoot 70 so you'd have 40 shots to green and 30 putts. Well, 30 putts is great, but you got to practice how to do that. But putter fitting is a piece of the puzzle. And even if you have the most incredibly fit putter, um, that may help you putt better. But I would tell you that if you spent a little bit of time just setting up properly, so you were having the right amount of tilt forward and you had the right amount of elbow bend and you had the right amount of neck tilt and wrist tilt so you were holding the putter correctly, that certainly would influence your ability to control how much force you're hitting the golf ball with to control how far it rolls. And then you acquire skill by practicing that from different distances and stopping the ball in different windows from specific distances. Um, so from the fitting aspect, yes, you could have a different length putter based on your total height, but certainly the ability for you to set up properly so that you can be most efficient to apply the proper amount of force for your skill level to the ball to get it to roll the right distance is really, really crucial for you to be successful in having the least amount of putts during your round of golf. What do you guys think about, um, you know, when, when we talk about um, teaching the game, um, what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you're still running into? And uh, I'm asking this question because I think it's an interesting one to ask at this table because everybody at this table, we have sort of a mixture of who we teach. I think. Tim and I teach maybe more the core golfer, the, the everyday golfer, right, Tim? And then Larry and Chris teach the everyday golfer, but they also teach a lot of elite players, college players. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, from my perspective, I think some of the biggest misconceptions, just to, just to sort of lead the, the conversation a little bit, is first off, just understanding about impact. Um what actually happens at impact. Like it's crazy to me to have somebody come in and ask them, how does the ball get airborne? And they get, 
I get all kind of answers. No idea. Yeah, right, Tim. Like, no clue. And then it, it's just wild to me. Um, some of the, you know, old wives' tale stuff that we, we see. And I think it's really, it's super detrimental. So, Tim, I mean, well, well, let me get, since you and I teach sort of maybe the core golfer, more, more along the same lines, what do you think there? So, yeah, I mean, obviously I think the core golfer has very little knowledge of what impact is about. You know how 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 the ball gets in the air, what sh- what the club is doing to shape the ball and its flight. Um, but the you know the te- the technical elements of the golf swing aside, it's it's their perception that they can take information from a singular lesson and apply it on their own without any supervision or guidance during that application process and. Um, you know, it's, 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 I say this all the time to my clients who have that perception. He's like, well, that's kind of like saying you want to lose weight. So you're going to have salad for lunch one day and expect to lose weight. And it's just, we all know that that is not going to happen. And, um, you know, it's a rude awakening for a lot of people that it's, um, it's not something they want to hear because they, they don't want to, they don't want to suffer, um, to get better. And I don't think they understand how much suffering needs to take place in order for you to make significant, long-lasting change to get better. Yeah, that's, I mean, that, again, because we teach a similar sort of clientele in terms of, you know, handicap range and the core golfer, as I call it, that that rings really true. On the other side, Larry, I mean, you teach... You will teach the core golfer, but you also teach a lot of elite players, college players. You put, I mean, you've taught a ton of really good players who've gone through college. Um, misconceptions, thoughts about what you run into with maybe not only the core golfer, but all the, also those elite players who you run into or you're teaching on a regular basis as well. Well, I'll be pretty short and sweet on this. I think the biggest misconception is is that, that golf's more expensive or an expensive sport. It's just not. Golf is a value sport, and and it's been it's been missold. I mean, look at my background. My, my father was he's a bass fisherman, and if you've ever bass fished, you understand. That competitive bass fisherman, you're you have to buy a forty thousand dollar boat. You're putting in five dollar gasoline. You're buying five dollar lures. Come on. Come, everything we do costs money. In golf, you, you can you can pick, you can almost pick whatever level you want. Isn't it the greatest sport in the world? I mean, the the reality of it is is it doesn't cost a lot to enjoy yourself. And every single person from whatever background they're from has a chance to compete at golf. It proves itself over and over and over. And that's just not the case in a lot of other sports uh, compared to AAU basketball, and I'll leave you off right there. That ain't cheap. Chris, what do you, what do you think about that? B- biggest misconceptions, and again, that, you know, uh, you and I have talked about this, and we talked about it earlier today, too, hanging out here. Like, you got a bunch of, you know, college golfers playing the game at a higher level. Uh, biggest misconceptions. I think players just don't understand, you know, what it takes to get better or they're not willing to commit to doing it. So, you know, everybody has the opportunity to get better. 
It's just, are they willing to allocate the amount of time? Are they willing to allocate the amount of resources to do that? Um, you know, everybody would like to shoot a lower score and may that be a technique change that would improve their ability to have be more consistent, which is a word that we hear often, um, whether that's consistent in their dispersion, consistent in just one shot to the next being more similar, which is what most people think consistency is. And the reality is that when you guys go out there and you are working on a golf swing change or you're taking a golf lesson, the, the reality is you're taking a golf lesson because you want to decrease the amount of dispersion or curve on the golf ball and you want to increase the consistency that you hit the ball versus the ground. So your low point control. So if you can do those two, in the end, you're going to do that more consistently. And I could certainly validate and show you multiple graphs where um, if you hit 100 shots or a tour player hits 100 shots because they have more skill, their dispersion is going to be a much tighter pattern than yours is. The reality is that as you work on your skill, as you work on the reproduction of that motion, as you work on the mentality of being able to manage that process on the golf course and on the range, you're going to be able to do that efficiently. But you have to play golf and you have to practice and you have to allocate the amount of time relative to that. So if, if your expectations and your work put in to achieve that expectation or that goal match or they mirror each other, you're going to be very successful. But if your expectation is really high and your work ethic or your ability to put that time in doesn't match, then it's going to be very frustrating for you. So certainly take a look before you start at, at how much time do you have to allocate does it match up with your, your goal? And in the end, you're going to be much more successful with that. Last question for you guys, um, and we'll move it around to each of you, is you get a person standing in front of you, and they say to you, I never played golf before. Why should I play golf? What's your answer? Larry just reached his hand out like, like he was like he was drawn in a in a, uh, a western. So here, here, Larry, go ahead. Because this game will teach you everything you need to know about how you can be successful, whatever you choose to do in your life. That's what this game will do for you. Yeah, I'll I'll kind of echo those sentiments. It's it'll be one of the hardest things that you'll. Um, try to encounter and and uh and 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 by overcoming it and 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 persevering you will succeed and everything else that you can you'll try to do going forward will 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 pale in comparison to what we're doing here i mean golf is not easy and it's if they can if they what are, what are, are you signaling airplanes right now what is the deal <laughs> it's freaking easy it's a box and um, Larry, Larry, Larry is throwing his hands up and saying it's a ball sitting in one spot. Why? Why is it? Why is it difficult? Right. Yeah, I was gonna say if, if it was easy, we all would not be sitting here. We would. Um, you might be selling insurance, Larry. I don't know. Oh, hold on a sec. Oh, hold on, because I got the mic in front of me and I got to give it to Chris, Larry. That's gonna bring another question up. 
This will be our last question. I said this was our last question, but no, this is it. What would you be doing if you weren't teaching golf? Think about that. I'm giving it to Chris first. You got a new golfer in front of you, and they say, a new person, why would I want to play golf? You got to answer it, Chris. You got to answer this first. And then I'm going back to Larry, because God knows I want to hear this answer. If he wasn't teaching golf, what's he doing? Oh, they want to play golf because it's fun. Golf's not that hard. I mean, just ask Gavin Parker. I mean, he's one of my favorite young teachers Gavin shout out to you buddy uh, by the way and and the truth is it 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 is it's a journey it's a process of learning about the game of golf it's a process of learning about you it's a it's it's a wonderful environment for you to thrive and spend time and and not only with yourself but with friends and family it's an amazing game and you can do so many things with it um, not only just personally but professionally love it love it so i'll answer the question that i asked and then we're going to go real quick back around the room before we wrap it up here um if somebody was standing in front of me and wanted to play i i would just tell them that and, and I, I echo what chris said I, I think it's it tells you a lot about who you are as a human being and you can either roll over and lay down or you can keep getting after it yeah, and, and Tim, I know you. That's what you're saying. I mean, it, it's uh, the, the yeah. Larry, Larry, Larry was throwing his arms up in the air, uh, like yeah, like he was, like he was doing calisthenics. Yeah, well, yeah, we won't talk about the cowboy game, but yeah, I I think for some my, some folks, they want to look at it as this is the score I want to shoot. This is where I want to be, but they forget about what it takes to get them there and enjoying that part and i think that's a part of it sometimes it's hard sometimes it sucks but it's still a part of the game and i think you got to enjoy every bit of it so i'm going to finish with the last question here okay if you weren't teaching golf what would you be doing let me see here who am i going to first tim's shaking his head he doesn't want the mic uh, larry do you have an answer Larry, Larry is looking like the uh, like one of those statues that's you know the thinking man. Um, only the thinking man didn't you know to have a couple of bourbons and what have you. Well, Larry, don't answer it until I hand you the mic. So, are you ready to answer it? This is like this may be the hardest question I've ever asked on the podcast. Oh, Chris is right. We're reaching for the mic. So, Chris, save us. If I was not teaching golf, I would be teaching you how to fly fish and teaching you how to tie flies. So you'd be teaching and making like $8 an hour. You would be happy. Yeah. You'd be happy. Those fish wouldn't be happy, but you'd be happy. That's cool. Do the other, do the two of you have an answer for me yet? Tim, do you have an answer? <laughs> I literally, oh, okay. Tim's okay. You're ready. So if I, I probably, as you might have followed on some personal social media, I'd probably be on the, the grilling barbecue smoking circuit. <laughs> that, that's fair. Because Tim is like legit with all that stuff. Like legit. Larry's scratching his chin. That, Larry, do you have an answer? He, uh, Larry, Larry, hold on a sec. I'm handing the mic across the table because we had to get that in, in perfect technicolor. All right. I'm just simply not qualified to do anything else. It's by default. 
There you have it, folks. That's why we call him the Godfather. He's not qualified to do anything else. That's perfect. All right, fellas. Uh, that's uh, that might be part one. We might we might get after this again one more time before we head out of here. We'll see. But uh, I think everybody will uh, appreciate that. Everybody here appreciates uh, the ability to work in golf to help people get better to bring more joy to people's lives, which we talk about often on the podcast. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think it's pretty evident from, uh, from the discussion here that everybody loves what they do. And it, when I asked them the question, what they'd be doing, it was a hard, hard question for them to, an- to answer. By the way, I haven't answered it. Have I? No, I have not. I didn't. I just thought about that. Uh, I'd probably, well, I went to college for, mass com broadcasting so shocker so i'd probably be doing that some way somehow maybe i'd be giving you the weather It'd be like brick thamlin and uh anchorman you know <laughs> brick tamlin there you go that's that's who i'd be brick tamlin that's my yeah i love lamp uh and it's uh cold in the in the middle east so all right well Thanks to the fellas for uh, joining me on the podcast tonight. That was a good time, and uh, who knows, we may do it again. Until next time, thanks, everybody. See you soon. Well, thanks for listening to the Driving Improvement Podcast. I hope everyone enjoyed it as much as I did. Hanging out with the fellas here at the house, uh, some of the best people I know in golf. Um, hopefully you picked up a few nuggets too. learning environments, how to share info with your coach, always being honest and open about everything you can to help the experience. And hopefully we shook loose some bad information that might've been dragging you down in your practice and in your improvement. Hope you also saw the passion that these guys have for the game and for the people in the game. Thanks to Tim, Larry, and Chris for joining me. This is the driving improvement podcast with Mark Russo from the PJ show. And until next time, we'll see you on the lesson team.